Welcome to Meaning Over Money, a different kind of financial podcast where money is never about money. Welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so excited to have you here. We hope you're having an awesome week. And regardless of when you're listening to this, we hope it adds value to your journey. And if it does add value, it would mean the world to us if you would share with a friend or to rate and review our show. It makes a big difference. As a reminder, we have a podcast community now on Facebook. I don't know about you, but sometimes I listen to podcasts and I want more. When I'm done with an episode, I want more. I want to I want to I want to hear what other people thought. And I want to give feedback to the podcaster. And I want I want to engage a little bit at a deeper level, but sometimes I feel like I'm on my own little island out here and 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 nobody and I don't know who to talk about it with. And so we want to help with that. We have a podcast community where you can meet other people who listen to the podcast, engage in in the different ideas, and give us feedback, good or bad. We'd love to hear it. And so there's a a link in the show notes, or you can just type Meaning Over Money Podcast into Facebook and you should find it. But um, if you join, come, come say hi. We'd love to meet you. I do this thing every year. I, I always, every spring, I teach a group of high school kids about money. And it's a class I put together eight, nine years ago. We've taken almost 200 kids through it. And the reason why I started doing this, well, A, I was a youth group leader, so I just love pouring into young, young adults. When I meet with people, when I meet with clients, almost across the board, I hear the same thing over and over and over again, which is, Travis, I wish I would have learned this when I was younger. And that's why I love working with teenagers because they are younger. They're, that, they're the younger version of those people. And if, if, they, if they can get this stuff right and they don't have to experience the pain and the suffering and the turmoil and the stress and the, all the junk financially that so many of us experience, that would be amazing. How much better could they be than, than me, than, than us adults? And so I love this. And so yesterday we were talking about debt and I was sharing a couple stories and about, about people in my life and how some of their debts had limited their ability to do the things they really want to do. And I was sharing some real-life stories with these kids. And this one girl, she looks at me, and she's totally be- be- bewildered. And she, she just has the dumbfounded look on her face, and she looked at me like I was insane. And I asked her, I was like, what, what's up? And she said, why would somebody buy a car if they can't just pay for it. And I loved that. I loved that she was legit confused by this conversation. And through the course of the class, she made two other comments like that. And a couple other kids asked some questions along those lines as well. And I love this. So, you know, this, this class ranges from 15 to 18 year olds. And and, and to, to, to her question, I responded, that is a great question. I wonder the same thing myself. And it reminds me, and I think about it sometimes, but when I talk to teenagers, it affirms it so deeply in me, is that our cultural norm of bad financial decision-making and bad habits and bad behaviors and toxic decisions, it's not inherent in us. It's taught. We don't, we're not born 
with dumb financial decision-making skills. It's taught to us over and over and over again, all around us, by everybody. And so once in a while when I get a chance to talk to a teenager that hasn't absorbed much of that toxicity yet, they really, they really ask these really profound questions like, well, why would you do that? Or why wouldn't you just do this? And I think there's something really, really special about people that are naive to how culture views money and how culture handles money. It's, it's both, I think it's both promising and scary that the way that we handle money is taught to us. Now, some people would say, well, I was never taught about money. And that may be true. The baby boomer generation did not teach their children about money. Some did. Some did. But when I, when I know, I know by the age of my clients in that first meeting, I know by their age whether or not they were actually taught about money. I can nail it almost every time. My young, young clients were taught about money. My, my clients that are in their 30s or 40s were not taught about money. And that's a generational thing. But here's the thing. Whether we were taught or not, we were learning. We were watching. And so this whole, this whole idea of this young lady saying, Travis, why would somebody buy a car if they can't pay for it? Well, great idea. But in our society, we have normalized car payments to an extent, to such an extent, where the average car payment in America is now over $600 a month. That's normal. And so if we have a car payment that's less than that, we think, well, we're, we're doing great. That's how normalized it is in our culture. This, you know, we've done episodes about credit cards. Just how prevalent credit cards are in our society, that's taught. It's taught and it's learned. It's taught and it's learned from everywhere. And I, it, was, it was fascinating. I, was, I always asked my classes, how many of you have a credit card? And when I started this class eight, nine years ago, most of the kids would raise their hand. 15 to 18-year-olds would raise their hand. Yeah, if we have a credit card, of course we do. Yesterday was crazy. We had 13 kids in the room. Not one kid raised their hand. And I asked, why? Why don't you have a credit card? And across the board, they said, well, credit cards are dumb. Credit cards are not good for us. And I'm like, dang. They're being taught this. Now, I don't know where they're being taught. Hopefully it's at home. Hopefully it's at school. I don't know. But I see the shift happening. Oh, it was so promising for me to see that shift happening of, of, of this perception that credit cards are not our friends. That's awesome. So I asked the kids, some other, I said, what are some other things you'd hear all the time? All the time. What are things that you just keep hearing over and over and over again? And one of the kids said, and one of the kids said that you will always have debt. There's no way to not have debt. You're always going to have debt. And I said, that's, that's a common one. And I asked her, what do you think of that? And she's like, she's like, I don't know. She's, she's like, I don't want to, but she doesn't know. And so if we tell somebody, if we tell an entire generation over and over and over again, that there's no way to live without debt, of course they're going to have debt. 
And speaking of, we talk about we're, we're absorbing from the generation above us. If 80% of Americans are in debt, which is factual, then 80% of our parents are teaching us and modeling that we have debt. And it's not that parents are trying to hurt us. They're not. Our parents are trying to love us. Our parents are trying to help us. And they're doing the best they can with what they know. And, and so it's, it's, not that, it's not that parents are trying to sabotage their kids. They're not. They're, they're trying to help their kids. And so when they pass down those traits and those, those principles and the norms, it, it's impacting us. And I even acknowledged with the kids, I said, look, guys, I'm going to be talking about stuff that you're not hearing elsewhere. I'm going to be talking about stuff that other people in your life are going to disagree with, including your parents. And I'm not asking you to dishonor your parents. Please don't dishonor your parents. Your parents love you. They want, they, want, they want what's best for you. I said, but I am asking you this. Consider both perspectives and make the best choice for yourself. That was my request for them. And so we'll see how this plays out for each of these kids. And I've seen kids that I've worked with when they were teenagers that have made really profoundly wise decisions. And I've had kids that I've worked with that have gone the totally opposite direction. And I've met with them now in their adult life. And it's really sad to see how, how tough of a spot they're in financially because of a couple of the choices that were made. And so adults, we can't go back. We can't rewind and learn or be taught different things. All we, all, all we experienced what we experienced. We can't change that. But we can change how we, we raise up the next generation. We can change how we model it. And it's not good enough to say, hey kids, you shouldn't blah, blah, blah. And then you do the opposite. That, that's not going to work. Kids are watching. Young people are watching. It was kind of like when Earlier in my marriage, I would, I, would tell my, I would tell people, you know, debt is not a good thing. I would say debt isn't a good thing for us. And I remember this was really early in my marriage, and we were at dinner, and I paid for dinner with a credit card because I like the points. Call back to a prior episode where we just talked about that. And my wife looked at me, and she said, Travis, you're the world's biggest hypocrite. Something you always want to hear from your, your uh, new spouse and I'm like, what are you talking about? And she says, you tell people not to use debt, and here you are using debt. You are the world's biggest hypocrite. I immediately canceled that card, and I've never used a card since. Because she was right. She was right. How hypocritical of me to tell people not to use debt, and I was still using a credit card. Now, we were, we were debt-free, or nearly debt-free, but I was still using a credit card, and she was right. And so I, I got rid of the card, and I've never, never used one since. And so she was indeed correct. I was being a hypocrite. And so how does it look for me to, to, to say one thing, model a different thing? So we need to be very careful with how we're modeling. We, we talk about young people. And we, talk, we, we tell our kids, we tell our teenagers that we shouldn't be looking for instant gratification, that we need to put in the work 
to receive the reward. We tell kids this, instant gratification. You kids, all you care about is instant gratification. And then we turn around the next day and go buy a brand new car with payments. We do that. So we can say whatever we want to our teens, then they watch us do the opposite. Or we tell our kids, or we tell our kids that life isn't about life isn't about spend, spend, spend. You can't spend everything and you can't you can't do this and 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 you need to you need to not spend all your money and quit being quit being irresponsible. You you do this and then and then you go and you buy all these toys. You go buy the toys and you upgrade your house and this and that. So we're telling our kids one thing and then we're doing another. Maybe on the opposite side of things, we are raising up an entire generation to be hoarding, to be hoarders. And we've demonized spending for an entire generation. And we tell them that, that saving is good, giving is godly, and spending is irresponsible. And so I would argue that is a very toxic trait. We, we call it being frugal. But that's not frugality. That's called being cheap, being a cheapskate, being a hoarder. And we're, we're literally raising up an entire generation where they truly believe it's wrong to spend. And it, and it comes out in, in two different ways. Number one, they literally can't spend. I work with a lot of young people that can't go buy a pair of jeans because they think it's irresponsible and that they need to save that money. That, there's a lot of people in that camp. And we, we, we tell them that they're responsible and we lift them up and say, this person's good with money. But the other example is the person who is a spender. Some people just are. But all they feel is guilt. They spend because they like spending and then they carry the guilt and regret. And then they spend and they carry the guilt and regret. But if we were healthy with this, if we had taught our children the balance between spending, saving, and giving, even if they're spenders, we, they would have a balance and they would still be able to save and they would still be able to give. And then when they enjoy spending some of their money on the things that they enjoy, they wouldn't feel the guilt. But that's taught. It's taught. We have a decision to make. And this is maybe for adults. This isn't like how do we handle our money better, but this is really about how do we model our money better? How do we behave in such a way that it makes others around us look at us and say, I would like to be more like that? Not because of what we say, but because of what we do. And I always tell my clients this. I always tell them they are far more influential in so many lives that, than I can ever be. I do have a platform. I have a platform and I have a reputation. That is true. But in your respective circles, you have far more influence than I will ever have. And what an opportunity to model something different. What an opportunity to model for your children or your future children if you don't have children yet. But I think back to these teenagers and, and how innocent and naive they are when it comes to finances. And when they look at me and they're just bewildered by some of these stories I share and they ask just honest questions, why would somebody do that? 
I just love that. Because it tells me, it tells me that all this junk, this toxic way of handling and, and perceiving money is learned. It's not inherent in us. And if it's learned, that means it can be relearned. And I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that it can be relearned by our children, but it can also be relearned by us. We can be different. I'm so grateful that I relearned a lot of the things that I relearned because I was heading down a bad road too. And so I'm grateful that I had a couple of harsh inflection points that caused me to really have to look at this stuff differently. And then I did look at it differently and I relearned it. And a lot of the, the toxic stuff that I used to, to pursue and believe has been rewired. And so just know it's never too late. And it's especially not too late for this next generation. So parents, go just teach your kids to do better than we did. They deserve it. They deserve it so much. That's all I have for today. If you'd like to connect with us outside of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can find our podcast community uh, link in the show notes. You can find us um, on Instagram, Meaning Over Money. You can find me, Travis Shelton, on Instagram. You can find our YouTube channel. And of course, you can find Meaning Over Money, which is our financial course for young adults, where we teach young adults how to live for the meaning and not for the money. And that's at meaningover.money. And if you'd like to buy a course from us, please don't pay full price is our way of saying thank you. Uh, you can get 25% off by using the promo code podcast25, podcast25. And if that's not for you and you're not interested, that's okay. We're just glad that you're here and we hope this podcast continues to add value to your journey. Take care, guys. 